Jennings and this is a Kiwi original. Today on the show I'm joined by Ken Vaughan who is the founder of Turkish Bread, actually went to Turkey on his Kiwi OE based in London, went over there to do the whole Anzac thing and came back with an idea. Whether it was conscious or not it was sitting there ready to seed and when he was in New Zealand he became inspired by the taste and the varieties of the fresh bread he had seen in Turkey. From that was born Turkish Bread which has now become New Zealand's largest supplier of pizza bases. To Ken, commercialization means more than machines. It means being hands-on with the dough. Turkish Bread has always had an emphasis on handmade products, which you can really taste in the end deliciousness, which I can vouch for. Their cauliflower bases are amazing, but the thin bases probably even better. But before we get sidetracked, let's have a listen to the story. Ken is an amazing storyteller when it comes to the business. Simple ingredients, meaningful work, fresh pizza bread. Let's take a listen. So you were traveling through was it Turkey in the late 90s? Prior to even starting Turkish Bread, there was a trip you went on to Turkey. Where did you travel through there? Uh, so I was, I was kind of living in London, and you know, a, lot of, a lot of Kiwis doing their OE like to zip across to Europe, and uh, Turkey came up as one of those Anzac tours. So we ended up going through Chanakeli and Gallipoli and doing a dawn service. So there was quite a moving experience. It was, yeah interesting to, to wake up kind of on those slopes that uh, it had been in the First World War and um, it was something that was in, I think it was the 75th anniversary of the Gallipoli landings. I remember Helen Clark was there and John Howard at the time and we were all kind of marched through the whole night to get to this landing spot and be there at dawn break. So yeah, it was pretty interesting. But yeah, so we kind of stayed in that, that region of Turkey. And uh, yeah, I found that it's a pretty interesting place. It was more third world than what we were used to. I remember being in Istanbul and seeing a ship that, you know, this is like a, a container ship that had just crashed and had just been left to, to rot in the harbour. And people were just fishing off it. <laughs> it was quite interesting. And um, yeah, we, we had some, some great times in Turkey. And, one of the things that resonated with me was was always the abundance of fresh bread and, and the taste of this bread, you know. Not not dissimilar to France, but it was a different offering, but they baked several times a day and it was a staple of, of the way they kind of part of their culture as well. So yeah. So you were there for Anzac and then this unintended consequences of, of getting to know the culture and, and travelling around was the the fundamental of bread, which goes back you know, yeah, to the start yeah. of civilization, oh, very much so. The cornerstone of the Western, you know, since we began farming and growing wheat, and you know, it was very, you know, their ovens were domed and and very traditional, you know, with, with wood-fired ovens. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a neat thing to just see them baking and 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 and, and enjoying the product, the fruits of their labour. So yeah, was there a a, a place that? you asked for a recipe or is it more you went back with the idea that maybe you would be interested in baking your own bread at one day? Yeah, I think I think it was just one of those experiences that you that you chalk up and it just sits in the back of your mind as something that um, may, you know, pop and bubble up again. But um, certainly I didn't come away from there and think, wow, I'm going to be a baker one day. No. 
But uh, prior to that, I'd had experience in, in, in selling hummus. So I was involved with another company called Lisa's Hummus from Conception. So we, um, we took a, another Turkish kind of product to, to market and that, that was a real rip-roarer and did very well in the New Zealand market. So yeah, it was kind of, uh, there was a yin and a yang there. So with the hummus business, I think uh, you sold that in the mid 2000s, or the people who ran it sold it to yeah, but Yes, they they did. I, I was no longer a part of that business then. I was I was um, prior to me travelling and doing an OE. I was involved in the, the sales and marketing and, and distribution of that product throughout New Zealand. So um, that certainly had had kind of um, given me a really good insight into the whole FMCG program and how it ran in New Zealand and what could happen if you had a really good product and how New Zealanders would support that. Because it is an interesting or unique sector, the whole FMG, FMCG thing, fast-moving consumable goods, in that there are a lot of people who play at the lower end hoping to make it big time, hoping and wishing to get into that volume place. Yeah that is enabled by supermarkets and, and mass consumption. Uh, so you, had you seen some of that on the hummus side of things and that got you interested in maybe that you could do something similar but within the bread? Yeah, to- totally. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's every manufacturer of a food product hopes that, that, you know, right from conception that they think it's a good idea, it gets through all their test marketing and everybody thinks this is a go. I mean, it, you know, but the chances of that pulling off and, and, and actually getting to a critical mess with market to make it a viable to manufacture are very limited. You know, it's, it's honestly, it's about 1 in 20 products that get launched, you know, full, only one comes through is, is, is something that's viable. I mean, you know, ask Coca-Cola, they, they launched Cherry cherry Cola, I could have told them that was going to be a flop, but you know, it still got through and it's a big company. Um, so yeah, it's it's something that with the hummus, it yeah, really was a magic carpet ride, it, it just hit the market and people prior to that had only got um, maybe pate and cottage cheese to, to, to dip into. So. Yeah, it was an interesting thing to, to see that and be a part of it. It was really exciting too. So um, coming back and tying that up with the bread, um, there certainly was, you know, back in the, the early 2000s, it was focaccia and it's about as flash as you could get in the bread game in New Zealand. And it was, you know, I remember as a kid getting Sunday loaf, which was uh, something that was baked and put in a, a brown paper bag and was available at your dairy. And it was the best thing going because you could pick the crust off and get into the middle of that bread. So Turkish bread certainly um, was another bread product that tasted fantastic and was fresh and um, gave people something to um, enjoy at home. What was the, the first step you took to take that idea and then make it concrete and, and turn it into a, a product been baked that people can now see for sale and, and purchase. Yeah, it um, it was in conjunction with with the people um, who had the original idea for Lisa's hummus. We we kind of when I came back from overseas, we kind of talked talked about doing the bread together, and I certainly that memory came back of what I'd seen in Turkey. So I thought, it, and I remember um, doing the first kind of test bakes out in Odahu 
and um, I took it around to my dad, who was a big bread connoisseur, and he said, that's the best bread I've ever eaten. And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> and um, yeah, it started, started from there, and, and, and um, that, that alliance between us didn't work out, and um, we went our separate ways. But then uh, a few years later, the opportunity came to kind of come back in and have my go at running that business. So yeah, and that's where I picked it up about 16 years ago. So um, yeah, it's just been something that we've just chipped away at. What was the first product you launched? Uh, it was indeed Turkish bread, so that was a product. We don't actually make it to the stake as the market's moved on, you know, everything's in, in constant flex. So the name stuck with the company, it, it's, it's become iconic to this company, but uh, we don't actually make a, a Turkish loaf of bread per se as we did in those early days. Certainly some of the first test bakes, we had some very fat ducks cruising around. It seems like such a simple thing, like anyone if with a little bit of Google searching yeah. and some basic ingredients, and you know we saw this through COVID, can come up with a, a recipe to make a sourdough or a, a bread to enjoy. What's the, the complexity when you're having to make that at yeah, a scale a and making scale, yeah. you know, hundreds of loaves? Yeah, well, that, that, that's an interesting one, Ryan, because it, it really is. I mean, back in those days when we first started, we didn't have Google, so we had to have a bit of knowledge, and we had a, a, a Turkish baker in-house who, who taught me, and um, we were able to just, you know, it came down to the handmade process, and it's all about a bit of energy going into the bread, and it really is made with love, and I know that sounds a bit cliche when I say that, but it, it, you know, to make a good sourdough or make any bread that's really going to taste good, it's, it's, there's a fine line between, you know, it's just some flour and water, making something that's pretty, pretty uh, um, crappy, to something that is fantastic and that there's, it, it just comes down to timing and the energy that you put into it and then um, it flows through from the moment the, the water, the flour and the yeast react together, that, that product's alive and it has to be yeah, treated with, with that you know, love and energy right through the process. And that, that's so we've just just taken that very simple way of making bread. Any baker would make it that way, and then commercialise it. And we've just kept on throwing as we've needed more volume. We throw more hands at it, so it's literally a very handmade product, which makes it quite unique uh, to be pitched in the supermarket at a supermarket price point, which is traditionally you know you've got to have a machine that makes ten thousand widgets an hour. We don't have that. We have these things. That makes it very different from traditional manufacturing, where you start by hand, and then once you've validated the market, you've got some sales, you've got a little bit more capital and some confidence, you'll go and invest in the machinery to reduce the amount of hand elements in it. Oh, absolutely. Because that's the manual part. But what you just said there is, uh, we threw more hands at it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's costly, right? That's, a, yeah. that's real people that you have to look after, have to pay, that's, um, that adds another level of complexity to the business, it's not just the product, it's the, the people. Yeah, certainly, so we, we, we would have a huge labour component um, by comparison to other manufacturers, but through you know, some pretty innovative efficiencies in, in our processing um, and, and the way we use our hands, we've been able to, to, to foot it in that supermarket game, which is you know, heavily reliant on mass manufacturing of products. So I guess still we, we, we still are a niche player and we innovate through bringing, bringing new product to market and stuff that machines just can't make. It's as simple as that. And you'll taste the difference. That, that's the product stacks up for people because it, you know, it doesn't taste like it's made on a machine because it isn't. 
it's hand thrown. Every single loaf and every single piece of dough that's coming out of this factory is hand thrown. What's a couple of the the newest products you've got in your range here today? Um, so we've 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 been really happy with the performance of a of a plant based product. So in our pizza range is a, a, a product which has um, got a cauliflower content in there. So that's um, something that's it's hit market. It had some appeal to dropping your carbs and introducing some vegetables, especially with kids. You know, if, if, if people at home have got kids like my kids, it's hard to get enough vegetables into them. So this product, every slice of pizza, you actually, you know, it's it's a sly way of getting some veggies into them, and the taste is great. So, it's it's a product that um, we developed by being able to blend vegetable pulp into um, the doughs and still get the dough to react the way that it needs to react, and then then kind of. Um, behave like a pizza base when it gets home and, and crisp up and, and be a great experience for people. That's a cool little development, having those two things, is it, keeping the tradition of making it taste like a pizza base, that, that deliciousness of the freshness, then also adding in there, what is it there, it's, this one's what, 15% on cauliflower? Yeah, so when you look at that, Ryan, hey, 15% across the pizza base, that doesn't sound like much, but when you add into that 60% of that product is water, you take that water content out because yeah, you're actually getting up around 35% cauliflower, so it's, it's a significant amount. If you made that all cauliflower and tried to put that in a bag and make it last, <laughs> and similar, you'd just be selling some, you know, a jigsaw puzzle. I think the the first product I tasted of yours was actually during lockdown last year. Uh, it was the this thin crispy pizza one, and I was just surprised at how delicious the base was not just the pizza we made like the blue cheese and the walnuts yep. and the spinach but the base itself because i thought i don't usually like eating the base so let's just go a thin one but the base actually made the pizza taste delicious and that's that was the the moment i thought this is really interesting i wonder what's in this or how it's done that makes it taste different yeah well i think we covered that that it's a handmade base so it's something that you know if you'd had the time at home to you know, make your dough the night before as, as a good pizza base should be and then just let it rest up and then hand stretch it into shape and cook a fresh dough. Um, that's the type of result you'd get. Um, so yeah, one of the things that's always uh, had appeal I think to the market is that that product is the starting point for a great meal at home and you can individualize it so you know for instance some people like mushrooms some people like olives some people like anchovies you can have three different completely different offerings all come out of the same oven and give three different kind of um, uh, meal solutions to people but the base remains the same that is the carrier to a good meal so if i said to you hey you can buy a pizza base that's 50 cents cheaper a packet but it's going to ruin your meal what would you do? Yeah, people don't want to compromise their meal over paying that little bit more for a product that is made by hand and delivers you a great tasting pizza at home. It makes me think that actually that by volume, the base is the biggest part of the pizza that you're eating. Yeah. So that's the bit that you should be most focused yeah. on. How's the base going to taste, not what goes on top? Well, it's like anything, isn't it? If you build a house, you want to have a solid foundation. So I guess that's what you're talking about. That's the building block of your meal right there. And if you compromise on that, what have, what have you really got? The 
New Zealand-made Kiwi trademark is relied upon by over 1,500 New Zealand businesses to gain a market origin advantage in the markets they operate, both domestically and internationally. Check to see if the good service or software that you make is eligible at buynz.org.nz. I'm going to take you up on your metaphor there because earlier we were just talking about building and, and trades. Um, what keeps you going in this business? What's the thing that keeps you passionate about getting bread to New Zealanders across New Zealand? Given the complexity of this is a, a fresh product that needs to be kept chilled, you've got a lot of hands that are, are making this every day. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, what, what's the thing that keeps you going, Ken? Yeah, I guess for me personally, it, it is the people. I think you know a, a lot of businesses will say the biggest asset and your biggest liability is the people, but it really is your biggest asset in this because we don't have a lot of machines. We have a lot of these things, and uh, just just the. Um, yeah, the creation of jobs and and, and you know, this, this is run like a family business because it's it's small enough to be that way and the culture is good. So you know, there, there's a lot of enjoyment coming out of that bakery from the people who work there. That they're, they're singing as they work and the radios on and and they're a pretty happy bunch of um, you know um, workers and it's uh, yeah it gives me a real kick. From that perspective, and it's it's nice to be a part of something that bringing something that I'm proud to bring it to market. You know, it's it's not it, it isn't laced with preservatives, it isn't laced with sugar. It's something that I know is genuinely good, and that's you know what I tasted back in Turkey. That was genuinely good, and this is genuinely good product. And yeah, there, there's there's something special in that to me. Uh, we we wouldn't bring a product just to make money out of it to market because that's not the philosophy of the business, you know. It really is to 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 offer enjoyment for a product and, and um, yeah, that's the kick I get out of it. Enjoyment for your team, but also enjoyment for those Kiwis that are, are buying this and enjoying it in their home, making it for their kids, with their kids, giving them the option of whatever they want to have on the pizza they can put on the pizza. All of that wrapped together. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's 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 the kick I get. But hey, look, you know, I don't know many business people that don't do it and try and make a profit somewhere along the line. So I'm not I'm not trying to hide hide the fact that this is a business like anything else. But um, yeah, but, but part of it, and as I've got um, more established and 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 uh, looking for motivation in the business, it does come back to the people and seeing the the enjoyment they get from their jobs. So. It's a big kick for me. As a business, through the pandemic last year, through lockdown, uh, a lot of manufacturers, there was two different sides to it. Some got shut down completely, mm -hmm. others were able to work from home, and then there was a, a group that became essential services. Uh, what was the Turkish bread experience amongst you know going through the level fours, threes, and so on? Yeah, no, it's certainly when 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 the kind of um, COVID first appeared on our radar, it was it was really scary. I mean, we were a factory. We were told that you know up to eighty thousand people were going to die, and it was going to be a huge problem in South Auckland and anywhere there was kind of um, a density of populations in, in, in different cultures could be more susceptible through um, that, and certainly factories, you know, overseas yeah, meat works and places like that, chilled air, anything like that was, was certainly a breeding ground for any, any influenza outbreaks. So. Um, 
it was, it was quite a scary time. We put a lot of checks and balances in and controls to make our people safe and we split lunch breaks, we had minimal contact, we had to invent glass screens to go in between bakers and so and obviously we had you know full PEP gear on it. It was tough but the one great thing was the traffic improved so we had this clean run to get to work and make the delivery so there was um, and, and demand for our product went, uh, went up during that uh, initial lockdown because people were trapped at home and I guess that uh, pizza night was a good thing. So yeah. We, so your um, team easier to get to work but then full PPE gear at work, handmade bread. How do you make bread with full PPE gear? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're pretty used to wearing a level of, of kind of um, bakery attire, which isn't too dissimilar from from a, a COVID COVID outfit. So um, it wasn't it wasn't a huge step up in in safety, or you know, we were, we were pretty good at wearing face masks, hats, and gloves. So it wasn't it wasn't uh, it wasn't out of the question. And was it still the the you know early starts bakery starts you know four or five a.m. or yeah. did you have to add in more shifts? Yeah, certainly. Um, we we run twenty four five from this plant, so we have three shifts working around the clock pretty much. So the oven never stops; it stays hot, which is you know adds to your efficiency in your model. Um, so. Um, People were, uh, yeah, we, we were working pretty hard, definitely. It's safe to say that. And uh, uh, you know, as soon as we made it, it was uh, being trucked out to supermarkets as quick as we could make it during that um, lock-in period. Thank, thank goodness things have normalised now, so we're back to where we uh, always were. We are at the, the start of 2021 now. Um, where do you want to take the business this year? We're now clear of the, the unusual year that was 2020 where we're living with the pandemic mm. uh, there's some probably some opportunities there but also some things maybe that are challenges uh, where do you see the business going next yeah I, I mean you know from a business perspective we don't have a plan and that, that's kind of the safest way to run in this new environment that we're in um, you can make all the plans you want, but if you get locked in, what's going to happen to your plans? So, yeah, we're, we're a very flexible business. We've always um, been a manufacturer who doesn't have you know, huge production lines that have to make a certain amount, a certain way every day to, to be viable. You know, it's quite easy to um, you know reduce your amount of hands or increase your hands. So, it, it becomes a flexible space we can we can work longer hours or we can work a bit shorter hours um, so there's 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 that kind of protects you in this new environment that we're, that we're in with with the uncertainty that surrounds you know uh, world events that are hey, totally beyond our control and we just have to react to that and do what we can I like that that you don't actually have a plan because what you're really saying is that day to day you run quite a flexible model and the benefits of having people and not machines is you don't have to sweat the machine that owes you lots of money to mm. earn it back. You've got a flexible team of people. Yeah, and we're very live to market. You know, we're dealing with a very short shelf life product 
um, that that you know, you know, for instance, with our distribution team, if it's a rainy old day or a rainy weekend, we know that certain supermarkets who have underground car parks may sell more because people will choose to park underground. So we're that in tune with the market. If we know a big rugby game's on or something, and people are going to have a garlic bread. Hey, we know to put more in um, to the markets on those weekends. So it really does make a difference when you're totally in tune with your market and then that flows to, hey, we need to bake X amount because this, this event's coming up. So we've, again, flexibility is, is one of our key strengths. How many uh, locations, supermarkets, are you around available at around New Zealand? Yeah, so we're nationwide on on the entire product range, so through foodstuffs and through countdown supermarkets, and that's really our bread and butter um, is to supply into those two um, supermarket chains, and that, that's on a national level. So right the way down to Bluff and right the way to Cape Ringa, you can hopefully find a, a pizza base or a garlic bread that's come out of little old Henderson. Easy to spot as well, that pink branding, you can see it a mile away. I think it's a very yeah. smart decision and it's an easy one to, if you've enjoyed it the first time and maybe didn't remember the name of the company, yeah. you definitely see that pink. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I think more people go, you know, people ask me what I do, I say, bake bread, oh, we you supply that, have you got a shop? Oh, we supply into supermarkets, oh, right. It's not that pink one, is it? And that'll be the question that comes up. Nobody ever refers to the brand. It's the pink one. I got that, the pink one. Yeah. So yeah, the pink is is, is synonymous with with, our, with what we're about. It's one of the best branding decisions just to be known by a colour. It's hard, mm. but if you can become known by just a colour, yeah. then everything else that colour reminds someone of your yeah. product. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, as a kid, I remember the pink bat ads on TV. You know, think pink and the pink panther. So That's yeah, right. I guess there's something back there. <laughs> and you, you probably are underselling yourself a little bit. I read that you're actually the largest manufacturer uh, in this category of breads. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. We're, we're um, we are a category leader in pizza-based production and um, pretty close on garlic bread as well, and certainly on naan bread, we'd be the biggest manufacturer of naan breads. Um, so yeah, you know, we're very proud of that peak, that, that more people choose our pizza base to, to start their great meal at home with. So yeah, no, it's, it's something to be proud of. And all from a genesis of an idea of a Kiwi on the OE, based in London, traveling around Turkey, going to do the Rite of Passage, to Anzac to visit our, our forefathers there, and then doing the hard part, which is actually going through and, and making it happen, taking that idea and implementing it. How many years has it been now that you've been running Turkish Bread? Uh, yeah, 16 years, and when you frame it up like that, Ryan, if you ask me would I do it all again, <laughs> no. It's been a lot of hard work to, uh, to get that business to, uh, you know, sit up and become what it has become. So yeah, but uh, it's certainly um, looking back is, is a wonderful thing to um, enjoy the success that that, that pink packet has had. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it hasn't come without a cost, but it, it's certainly been worth it overall. Congratulations on that 16 years in business and to 
make it through the considerable hurdles within FMCG to be listed, be ranged, be accepted, enjoyed and become a household brand. Um, and good luck on the next 16 years for Turkish Bread. Really appreciate you sharing your story today uh, on a Kiwi Original. It's stories like this that more Kiwis need to hear about. It's an amazing story. Yeah, no, thank you, Ron, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. And we're very proud to uh, uh, support that branding on our uh, packaging. I, uh, when I saw that, I thought that's one I've got to got to try, take home, and enjoy. And um, you know, I appreciate you having the New Zealand made on there because you do have such a strong brand. Um, and you know, the two, some people will see the New Zealand made, some people see the the pink as probably a rebuy. Um, they work hand in hand. Awesome. No worries. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. That's it for another episode of A Kiwi Original. Remember to subscribe on the podcast or on YouTube to receive the next episode. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone you think could benefit. See you next time. One of the big things we had right from the start was we're, we're going to push that it's New Zealand made. New Zealand made carries a lot of weight outside New Zealand. People don't realize that. Well, you're by New Zealand and uh, we were really motivated by your professionalism at the outset when we first contacted you and that gave us the confidence to reach out to the rest of the New Zealand community to support this. We'll get two, three, four, five inquiries every day from people. And, and, and their only question is, are your products made in New Zealand? You know, they, they don't want to know anything else. We knew there was demand in the market for uh, a New Zealand-made product, firstly, a natural New Zealand-made product. We have got New Zealand-made. That was the first thing I signed up to. I was really proud of it. And um, you were very welcoming. So thank you, Ryan. I think it's very, very important to sell in New Zealand as a New Zealand-made product. Originally, we were having to import components from overseas. It wasn't until we shifted to our carbon fiber model that we were able to say that the product was made in New Zealand. And that was a huge, it was sort of a big goal for me. I wanted to have complete control over the manufacturing of it. Definitely it's something that we've been belonged to right from the beginning and it just put trust, especially New Zealanders, into our product. We've noticed recently people have become so much more discerning about they will up front and say to you, is it really made here? And not have to rely on other countries and important components, especially in times like these, I'd, I'd, be, I'd have no stock. Being up to front up to that and show your logo and say, well, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand that you have to have a license to show that logo. We have also New Zealand made on some of the other brands selling over overseas. And it's something that people are looking for. The little triangle has been a part of our brand for a long time. Is that an investment or is it a cost? Yeah, can, we, can we spend it given what's going on? No, it's actually good value for us. Yeah, we, we are a Kiwi company. We are proudly Kiwis. We instantly had a, a fruitful conversation without any dancing around or holding back or 
everything came out and that was that was part of the how, why it was so invaluable and so the best way to do that is to, to join the find this amazing event right so i think you will see on any of my social media stuff like you know i put the bodies in a big logo i'm classed on everything i can pass it on but just being able to prove to people that it is new zealand made and that we've got a story that's great you know pretty proud to be able to do that